This is episode 90 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 90 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Randall Reshore on the show to talk about cash flow in Toronto. Yes, you heard that right. Cash flow in the great city of Toronto, where it's really hard to find cash flow. So we go through that topic as well as Randall's student rental portfolio in Peterborough, Ontario, what Randall does to grow his portfolio and the adjustments he's made from when he started to where he's headed now in his long-term growth plan. Randall is a realtor working in Toronto, so we shed some insights on what's happening there. We get into a lot of interesting discussions here. He's a very interesting character, and I strongly suggest that you follow him on social media because I do expect to see big things from him going forward. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. Be sure to share it with a friend or somebody you think that it might help. It would be greatly appreciated. And without further ado, please enjoy episode 90 with Randall Reshore. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Of Randall Reshore. Do you throw the middle name in there usually? No, not usually. No, okay. I just see it on your Instagram. Oh, so right. Randall Reshore on the on the show. That kind of rolls off the tongue. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting. I know we've been messaging on Instagram forever. I don't even know how we ended up stumbling across each other, but I know we know common people. So um, why don't you just tell me a, a little bit about what you do in uh, real estate investing world? Yeah. So I'm... Uh... I'm first and foremost, I guess, a realtor in downtown Toronto. I operate primarily in the West End uh, of the core. And then I also have an investment business, let's call it, which is my rental properties and uh, joint ventures, private lending, all of those kind of... Oh, you do some private lending too? Yeah, I lend funds and I borrow funds from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, both both sides. It's good to be on all sides of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's it's like JVs or anything else. It's all about, uh, yeah, making win-wins and... uh, Keeping things rolling along. Well, yeah, diversification too, right? I mm-hmm. do the same thing. I do some lending, do yeah. lots of borrowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then of course investing in my own properties too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're mostly in student rentals, is that right? Yeah, mostly in student rentals, which is its own uh, bag of worms or whatever you call it. Yeah, <laughs> bag of worms. <laughs> we'll worms. call it that. Yeah. Um, you know, things are still moving along right now. This is actually prime re-rental season for next year right now. So mm. I'm just sorting my way through that right now. I'm going to be sending out leases to my students, even though they're not in class right now. Right. They're all back in town, uh, and obviously they want to, um, you know, they want to be with their friends. So I'm optimistic, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that uh, that things are going to return to normal with students, hopefully by next year. Yeah, I uh, I have student rentals as well. Um, what, what market are you? You're in London. London. I'm in Peterborough. So um, I found the same thing. Even though some of the students aren't in class, and some of them didn't even go back to school, but they all came back to their house. I think they either got tired of mom and dad or missed being around friends or, or whatever I specifically asked because I go in, uh, I learned this from my buddy, but I go in and I, I'll change the, the furnace filters. So I'll go in every four months or so um, and uh, I'll just talk to them a little bit. Hopefully I can catch them. Hey, you know, guys, what's going on? You know, what are your friends up to? Is everybody back? Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, why'd you guys come back if you're just doing school online? And they're like, well, we just couldn't stand being at home anymore. I'm like, okay, that bodes well. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, and they're still going out. Like, they're still going to, like, Barney's downtown London, like, you know, hitting up a patio, things like that. So mm-hmm. um, we're fortunate right now yeah. that, that everybody's come back. So I think in their head, things are proceeding and they're going, they're expecting to go back to class, which, let's face it, if high school and elementary school are back, let's pray they stay back. Um, you know, university should follow. Yeah. Well, university is not only a higher education, but it's a big business of its own. 
they're not about to hold up shop anytime soon. We'd not, like, not at their own will. We'd like to think not. Yeah. 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 So what do you, so you're into student rentals. Um, how many student rentals do you have? I have two currently in Peterborough. I've got one under contract that I'm kind of working through due diligence right now, uh, all in Peterborough. And then okay. I have two duplexes downtown Toronto as well. Two duplexes. Just regular rentals. Yeah. Wow. That's, those are valuable assets these days. Yes. Yeah. They've been really good to me. Although, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that. Toronto uh, what's, what's happening in Toronto right now? And mm. this will be a few weeks delayed, but I mean, hopefully we're yeah, still yeah. relevant conversation here. I've noticed condo wise, I just saw oh, an yeah. article this morning, uh, 250% increase in inventory right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which I called. I've, I've, been, I've been calling this. Not to say I, I'm not here to be right, uh, but I like to, I like to look nice at... nice to be right. Though. It is and it isn't. I, I like to be validated in that I know that my instinct was right, but you can never predict government, right? That's the thing we can't predict, right? So there's, mm-hmm. there's certain fundamentals and signals we can look for, which like it was like the perfect storm. No Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Employers saying employees can work from home. Um, you know, so you have shrinking office space being, you know, and then we have more condo units coming to market this year than ever. So everybody starts with uh, extra rental listings. And then when they realize they don't cash flow because the rental market's way down, yeah, yeah. then they, they, they move to list. And then it's going to be a, a race to the bottom uh, in price competition for those who get more and more desperate. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Uh, I see the starting signs of it. I find it concerning. I'm glad that my wife just sold her condo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't necessarily think that's the same for detached houses and townhouses and semis and all that. So what are you seeing there on the West End there where your, uh, your rentals are? You said they're townhouses? Uh, no, I have uh, both semis. semis. I, sorry, I have one detached and one semi. Okay, one detached, one semi. Yeah. Um, in that market, I haven't seen it soften at all. It's been increasing. Um, okay, so demand for, for buying is, is there too? Oh, yeah, and it's not even yeah. lasting long. In those areas, you know, yeah. you'll see like the average stats for the GTA. Well, that includes a lot more than downtown West End. Oh, Toronto, of course, right, yeah. Um, where that area is just still on fire. I have, this is strange. It actually ties into your note there about uh, maybe one of the reasons why condos are... Uh, sitting on the market or selling yeah. or why there's more Oversupply. inventory. We'll say the, the signal yeah. now is oversupply. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and part of it is people getting out of the city. Um, and I'm seeing that actually in my neighborhood and actually in my son's kindergarten class. Um, there's been four parents this semester that have put their house on the market in this little neighborhood. And yeah. they've all sold in under a week. Um, so that kind of demand is still there. Like not only okay. is there people wanting to get out of the city, but there's somebody desperate to get into that house. Well, and I think there's going to be those who are in the condos that still want to be in Toronto, Absolutely. but they're like, I don't want to be in this concrete box for another quarantine. So we're going to move into a house with maybe totally. a little bit of a yard. A well, and maybe those people wrote up the last 10 years of appreciation on a condo they bought for yeah. 280 and now they're selling out at 650 where maybe in the spring they could have gotten 780 you know, but they're right. still making a good chunk of coin. And if they're going to move that into another asset, then good for them. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, definitely the condo market is softened yeah. and it's going to continue to. Yeah. I just don't see any which way for it to go. So, I mean, if it were me, and this was my exact advice to my wife when we were talking about it, because yeah, um, basically she, she had it listed for a price. I'm like, well, the market's speaking to you. It hasn't mm-hmm. sold yet. So we were doing smaller decreases and then the realtor said, okay, well, if you're either going to reduce it 50,000 or don't even bother, like there's just so much inventory. So sure enough, we listed it and then it's got snapped up right away. But I think the key is to be ahead of those that are being emotional, mm-hmm. right? Like if you can see the signals, don't be emotional about it. Realize that the market spoke to you and you have to acknowledge that. And I'd rather be slightly underpriced and get a, like a, a lot of interest. Sure. And then when they make an offer, you don't need to concede. They try and offer low. You just say, no, full pop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got lots of people coming in. To, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the situation. Uh, I think that's a good strategy. Yeah. yeah. 
it worked out well. On that uh, note there about uh, emotional buying and selling, I wonder how much of the exodus out of the city is going to be seen as emotional in 24 months or 36 totally. months. In 2015, I moved my family from downtown Toronto to Prince Edward County. I got offered a job, a good opportunity to uh, open a hotel. Okay. That's what I used to do in my old yeah. life. Before was, a realtor? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I already had one rental property and I decided, you know, moving to the country is a great idea. Idyllic, this kind of idea of, you know, being by the water and the beaches and the vineyards and all of that. And all that was great. I lived there for three years and I couldn't wait to get back to the city. I missed yeah. it so much. And I think that I, I wonder how many people that are, you know, moving now to, you know, smaller communities, Collingwood, Guelph, wherever one goes these days, um, yeah. how many of them will want to come back in three years and how many of them are going to be able to? I, I, I think that you're absolutely right. I think that there is a, I think we were messaging about this. Can people separate emotion from the situation? Mm -hmm. and, and more mm -hmm. and more, we're seeing not so much. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So, but, but one of the things is that emotion might drive you out. Right. But then economics are going to, you know, bar you from maybe getting back in. There's only so low that prices can go. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that there's, there's some room to move down in Toronto. I do think that, uh, you know, if you look at co replacement cost on these buildings versus market sale price, I mean, the actual building itself might only cost 500 bucks a square foot or 400, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yet they're selling at a thousand. Right. So there's a lot of room to move down. But in a, in a growing economy, I just can't see how mm -hmm. a property stays below replacement costs. So that's that number the insurance company's using to do it to value. I mean, sure, your land value could change. And I, I think that people might leave downtown for a bit. But I mean, Toronto's been around a long time. It's going to have an attraction. Like, yeah. if we can get sporting back, if we can get, you know, entertainment back, I, I do think people will come back. I just, I think that was an overly inflated market to begin with a little bit. And now we're just seeing the effects. It will return. I'm not saying it won't, mm -hmm, of course. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I think even inflation alone, when we see this, this wonderful uh, inflationary period that's coming <laughs> our way, uh, when we see that, I, I think the numbers are going to go up just from that alone. So it's more of what's your time horizon? Because none of us know how long that's going to take. Yeah. Right? So it's going to be a dip followed by a, mm -hmm. a, a very significant increase in value, in my opinion. No crystal ball, just my thoughts. Yeah. Um, but that's, again, how long? that's the old adage, right? Yeah, you know, it's buy and hold or or how exactly. time in the market rather than timing all those things. Right, and I've had people reach out to me and say, "Oh, Andrew, I'm really worried. Like, what's happening in Toronto right now? Like, should I be selling?" And and it comes back to the question about you. Like, what's your time horizon? Mm -hmm. How soon do you need that money? Like, can mm -hmm. you tolerate a ten to twenty year uh, cycle of rebound? Not saying it would be that, but in a worst case scenario, could you? I don't think it would take nearly that long. Yeah, or, or being able to weather that drop, right? Yeah. Like people that are over leveraged. It's one of the yeah. reasons. So I, I obviously have equity built in my Toronto properties over the last little while. Yeah, you've probably um, done quite well. Yes. How long have course. you owned them? Uh, one of them since 2010. Okay, so that one's worth a lot more than you paid. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I bought that house, I think, for uh, 490 Okay. And uh, I had it appraised recently for 1.4. So that's wow. pretty dramatic. But there's there's been significant renovations done of course but okay you know it's how much still is like passive appreciation though with like 800 grand about yeah passive? i probably have you know let's say at best a quarter of a million dollars in that property mm -hmm. um from renovations okay. adding apartments upgrading the building so know. the market did a lot of it for you though. absolutely yeah. absolutely that's the nice part but uh just to follow up on that um you know i don't want to be over leveraged right now i don't want to have to weather a dip being you know 90 percent loan to value or even 80%. I keep mm. most of my Toronto stuff under 60. And of course, that's tying up some money. But for the last 10 years, that's been a good thing. Yeah. Um, we'll see what, what I do going forward with what the long-term trends are in Toronto. But, you know, 
Yeah, it's it's tough to to know the exact rate, but at least when you're a lower loan to value, you can go back to the bank and a worst case, like say rental rates fall significantly, you could go back to the bank and re-amortize your loan. Mm-hmm. So refinance, mm-hmm. not to take out more, but just to, to set your amortization back to 30 yeah. years, if that puts you back in a cash flow position. Exactly. Because negative cash, cash flow puts real estate investors in desperate positions. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a desperate position, you make bad decisions. Absolutely. So we just want to get out of that. Yeah. You know? And that's, that to me was why Toronto never worked for me. Never, yeah. I just never felt like it could work for me uh, because I don't want to be in that position where I feel like I have to sell because things aren't good. Yeah. Or because yeah, yeah. or because the prospects don't look good, right? Otherwise, I would have been ignoring this. Like for Jordan and I, like we just watched market rent go down almost a thousand dollars on that unit. Wow. We're like, okay, that's dramatic. That's not good. I mean, that was a little speculative. We had you know some people say, okay, twenty eight hundred, and there was a time where we had it rented for four thousand. Wow. And uh, three bed, two bed, uh, one bed uh, oh, plus wow. den. So we were renting it to like. Uh, a Toronto Blue Jays player for a right, while, right, a producer. Right, right. So because it was right in the entertainment district, we yeah, were yeah. getting like good, good tenants. So they weren't necessarily full year leases, but we were getting good, good money on it. A doctor most recently. So um, there was there was a good market for that, but then it's like everybody dried up. No one was coming to the city anymore, and it was like okay, it's time to make a move here mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. what happens if that drops further? Yeah, you know how much more can we afford to have that drop before it becomes a burden? Yeah, and. Uh, well, like we said, there's the signals in the condo market, at least. You, you can know? see them. Like, yeah. it's all supply and demand. So when you have double the supply, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> and the same demand even. But what we're talking about is double the supply and reduced demand, yeah. which is a really bad recipe. Yeah. And, uh, well, and like you said, too, uh, one potential loss of income stream, one, one plan B, which would be short-term rentals, got pulled off it. the table overnight yeah. and you know i'd be if that was my strategy i used to have a airbnb which we can talk about if you want later but um and i didn't like it for multiple reasons but uh if i didn't have that as an option on that property i would have sold that property two years prior yeah you know and i, I can only imagine how many people were in that spot this this spring that their only option was that is uh, as far as you can see is airbnb just completely done in uh, in toronto now I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think from what we've seen so far, there's going to be a rebalancing. But then, I don't know. I always uh, like to bank on people's ingenuity, you know. Yeah. I had never, before a couple of years ago, I'd never thought of something like rental arbitrage or some of these strategies that some of the Airbnb guys started to yeah. leverage into. And it's that stuff's smart, you know. And I, I don't know. There's going to be ways that people figure it out right yeah get around the bylaw until they tighten up the bylaw yeah, yeah <laughs> that yeah. seems to be the way it goes it's kind of the same with cra people find a loophole sure. and then they they close the loophole and they find another one that's yeah, part of the game yeah exactly <laughs> um okay let's get into some of the numbers like i'd like to hear about these uh these properties in sure in yeah, toronto yeah. because i think that uh you know i don't get a lot of people on that have property actual houses in mm-hmm. toronto mm-hmm. condos yeah but yeah, yeah so yeah. uh tell me about well what was the more recent one huh uh, so that one's a weird one. I think we messaged a little bit about it. It's more of an equity play than a, okay. than a cash flow or traditional kind of rental deal. But I'll, I'll tell you about it because sure. I think it's a fun deal. But um, yeah, I had a friend. So I like to keep close with my network, um, let them know what I'm doing and uh, you know, constantly just kind of talk about my projects and let people know the different kinds of strategies I'm doing with my friend group. Yeah. So then maybe they hear of something and they, they know who to call. Yeah. And that's what happened. A buddy of mine was... Um, shoveling his front walk uh last february and the old guy next door was struggling to shovel his front walk yeah and he's like i'm not fucking doing this another winter in toronto 
Yeah. And, uh, and my friend said, oh, you should call my buddy Randall. Anyways, I went down and checked out the house. It was a big, beautiful Edwardian, probably 2,600 square feet, three stories, huge lot, 25 by 150, downtown Toronto. Wow. Okay. So, But one unit. Uh, well, he had it all carved up into a weird triplex. Um, he was a quirky fellow, as a lot of private sellers end up okay. being. And uh, he hadn't, um, you know, maintained the house. He bought it in 1984, and that was probably the last time he did anything in it was buy it. So there was a lot of, you know, worn out places and damage, and it was run yeah. down. Anyways, he said he wanted a million bucks for it, and he wanted to walk away in 30 days. And uh, I'm a real estate agent, so of course I, I let him know what I thought it was worth uh, on market. And he said he didn't want to have anyone come through the house. He didn't even want to talk to anybody else. Yeah. And he sold it to me for a million bucks. What did you think it was worth on market at the time? I thought it was worth at least 1.25. Okay, so you just told them. Yeah, I showed them a bunch of comps and I said, look, this isn't, this is worth more than a million bucks. I was like, let me list it for you and I'll help you out here. Yeah. And he said, no way. Signed the disclosure, signed it, signed it over and uh, I bought it. That's amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. I had it appraised when I took possession in, uh, which was right in the heat of COVID. I got back when Trudeau begged us all to come home and he said, it's time to come home, Canadians. I was in Costa Rica. Oh, and okay. uh, I came back and I had it appraised the next week and it appraised at 1.3. 1.3. So that was like shortly after you bought it. Yeah. Like it was like yeah. 30 days later. So you had instant equity of 1.3 pretty much. Yeah. So 300. Yeah. Have you done any rentals to it? Oh yeah. I've been renovating since uh, May. Okay. Uh, we've put in probably a little over three. 300,000? Yeah. Okay. And now it's two, three bedroom units, like top end. Top end? Yeah. Okay. What do you figure it's worth now? I have comps that I've pulled in between 2.2 and 2.4. Um, you know, it'll really be dependent on what the market were to say. If we were to list it, you need a particular buyer for a big duplex like that. Um, but it's also got a full basement that I haven't got to yet. And okay, so got, can you turn that into a unit as well? Oh, yeah, I should be able to. Legally? Yeah, uh, yeah should be able okay. to. Now, did you involve the city in what you just did or did you just kind of... For most of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice way of putting it. Involve yeah, yeah. the city. I, uh, yeah, we had... And Andy Tran actually did my drawings for me. We used his engineer. We've... Uh, okay. Yeah, we've been in there hustling since yeah, late April. Okay, yeah. So Charles was just on. He was, Andy, yeah. Andy's one of his business partners. Yeah, absolutely. I bumped into Charles in the parking lot. Yeah. But yeah, so it's uh, it's been a really good deal. But I had to get a little funky with the deal after to close it. So I partnered with my mother-in-law okay. uh, as like my money partner, and uh, and I took a big equity stake in finding the deal. And uh, I'm going to live in one of the units for two years, and then uh, yeah, we'll see where it's at at that point. Live in one, so you'll live one one, rent out the other. Yeah, exactly. Okay, if- I have a I have a three bedroom at my other duplex downtown that I get four grand for. 1088 a month for 4088 yeah so i think this one's gonna be a little less because it's slightly smaller footprint but it's it's a really nice unit okay yeah so so for some context let's let's go into what the numbers would be on that uh the duplex because as we know yeah toronto seems to be the equity play right you get blessed with the appreciation typically yeah Uh, so you don't necessarily get as much cash flow but i would imagine you have pretty low vacancy Oh, yeah. So on the other duplex, I, I get both great cash flow and obviously the equity we mentioned right. uh, because of the lower purchase price, obviously, um, where okay. this one, we're in a different uh, type of deal. Okay. So let's, let's, the one that's rented for 4088 uh, let's go through uh, those numbers. Uh, what would your taxes be ballpark on that one? So on the other duplex, not the one we just talked about. Yeah, not the one that you just bought. The yeah, one you've yeah. had for longer because this one you actually have rents on. We can show kind of yeah. how low yeah, the yeah. cash flow. 
So my, uh, did you say tax? Yeah. What would your property taxes be on that? 55. 5,500. Yeah. Um, and then you would have insurance on that. It's a triplex, right? Uh, that's a duplex. That one's a duplex? Yeah. So What's... I get 1550 down and 4088 up. Okay. 1550 and 1550 in the basement. Oh, okay. So you get 4088 plus. Just for the three bedroom. Okay. So 4088 for the three bedroom plus what do you get in the lower? 1550. 1550. Okay. So that's 5638 in total rent. You got 5500 in property taxes. Insurance, what do you figure? Two grand? Uh, yeah. What is it? I have it monthly. It's, uh, 140. 140 a month times 12. So that's 1680 a year. Maintenance. I'll just leave it at 5%. Yeah, exactly. Um, I manage that one myself manage too. Manage around the corner. Utilities? Utilities. I think let's say, yeah, 380, 400, something like that. Okay. So 400 a month. So, 400. so about 4,800 a year on that. So you're paying all the utilities for the building? Yeah, other than supplementary things like internet and cable. Okay, yeah, they're doing that, yeah. Uh, Lawn cutting, snow removal, you do that? No, it's in a separate agreement. So they do that? Yeah, I check in on it, but... uh, Okay, so they take care of it, and then I usually like to throw like just 500 bucks in for miscellaneous. Yeah, yeah. So that one you figure is worth how much? 1.4, 1.14, yeah. Or sorry, 1.4. 1.4, okay. And what's your mortgage on that one? Uh, Currently, I put a big HELOC on it, but if we're just talking about the mortgage portion... Uh, I think it's probably at four, four thirty-eight or something. Four thirty-eight. Okay, so that's super low. That's like thirty-one percent or something like that. Yeah. So how many years left on that one? Like twenty years left, or? Yeah, I got to renew in February, but uh, yeah, I think yeah. About twenty years left. Yeah. Exactly. What's your interest rate on that one? That one's really high now. Like four percent. I thought it was a steal back then. No, two point seven. That's not high. But yeah. <laughs> well, now I, I have a client that pulled 1.74. Yeah. You know? So it looks like that. So, I mean, I'm getting with 20 years remaining, 435-ish on the mortgage, uh, 2.7 interest, about, uh, say, 2339 or somewhere in there, somewhere in 2300 2400 a month. Cash flow. And your mortgage payment. Oh, no. My mortgage is 2240 or something. Oh, okay. So I've probably got this... But close enough. Yeah, close, close enough. enough. So, okay. So ballpark there, your cash flow is around 2000 bucks. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's, that's good. I mean, of yeah. course your equity, you've got a lot of equity in there. Well, that's it. If but you, you have to do a return on equity, then it's tight. <laughs> yeah. So, and I always like to calculate the return on yeah. equity, right? Just to get an idea of, of yeah. what it is that you could do. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll speak with real estate investors. They want to grow and, and they have a whole bunch of equity and, and they're like, yeah, but we paid so little to buy it. I'm like, but it's gone mm-hmm. up a whole bunch. So now it's inefficient because you've got a whole bunch of equity there that's not doing anything yeah. for you. It's again, too, yeah. it's like, what are your goals or what are your aims with life yeah. right now? You know, one of my yeah. big um, reasons uh, why I still maintain that property the way I do was to help me transition into self-employment. Right. So it's a little bit of an insurance policy kind of... Yeah, it, it allowed me buffer. to give up my salary yeah. because that was going to pay 50% of it yeah. before I had fully replaced it on my side hustle, let's yeah. call it, you know? Um, yeah. So that's one of the reasons. We'll see when I get to where I want to be with some of my other goals. We'll, we'll see what happens with that property. Yeah, I could definitely resonate with, with where you're coming from there because... I mean, I think, yeah, being self-employed myself, I always want to have a buffer, yeah. big buffer. Yeah. And I, I go in like cash buffer because I just... Um, yeah, I have my rental properties. I don't like to touch those because I like to think of their cash flow as belonging to those properties right? right or right. future properties that I might buy <clears throat> or CRA when they tax me, um, yeah. unfortunately. So yeah, that's kind of like my, if I owe a lump sum or something, that's where I use those accounts just to like 
kind of surprises don't happen. Yeah. Um, so I get where you're coming from. You know, you wanted to keep that there. Uh, so how long have you been a realtor? Uh, I got licensed, I guess, two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. I, I had left um, the hotel. Like I said, I moved out to the country to run a hotel. Yeah. And then I left that in uh, late 2017, no, 2016. Okay. And then started to try and think about what I wanted to do. Luckily, I had this little rental yeah. property that was helping. And it allowed me to kind of figure it out. Um, and, and I did a live and flip out there. So I bought a house that was pretty run down in this little town. In Prince Edward County? Yeah, in Wellington. Okay. Um, and we kind of chose the house. So the house, the duplex in Toronto is a, like a 100-year-old Victorian. And it was a beast to renovate. If you've ever renovated one of those, they suck. Um, I have done 100-year-old plus. So yeah. I know what that's yeah. like. So when, when we were buying in Prince Edward County, we knew we weren't going to be there forever it wasn't gonna be our forever home but i i didn't want to have to do a renovation like that again mm-hmm. so we bought a ni- 1970s bungalow just by chance i didn't know anything about you know now that's what i look for yeah but back then i didn't know that i just didn't want yeah. to deal with plaster lath and knob and tube and all that yeah lath and plaster is not not fun <laughs> no oh, so it's dirty. so heavy um I've, I've gotten into one where this was early on we were ripping it ripping some of it off and it's like two sheets of cement board oh, I know. like plastered together and it's so heavy. Oh, yeah. So we're going in there with a sledgehammer initially. And then I realized that's a really bad idea because it just shatters it into all oh, these pieces. And the dust is just horrible. <laughs> it's just terrible. Oh, yeah. Awful. Yeah. The fun, fun part of renovations. Yeah, exactly. That's why demo, demo, I think, is such a job opportunity because I feel like no one wants to do it. Yeah. And it's, you started it's pretty a company, fast and easy. Oh, yeah. Like if you started a company just to job. do that, you could make tons of money. Oh, yeah. Like just, yeah, yeah. just have the proper WSIB and insurance yeah. and use the proper equipment. And then just just do demo. Like you can even advertise yourself as demo services. I think you could charge crazy money. Oh yeah, because yeah, I had yeah. quotes from like disposal companies that were just yeah, it adds up five times what I've been quoted on from other people. Yeah, it Silly adds stuff. up quickly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So were, was that the Victorian you were doing? Um, this is the that recent was the one. duplex we just the, went where through. you said you had about three hundred grand into. So yeah. what kind of things? Oh were no, you doing? so that's a different one. That's the Edwardian. Okay, so the one that we ran the numbers on, that was the, that was the, oh, that was the first one. So you did a yeah. big, big reno on that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I kind of like did it with a pal and mm-hmm. then lots of supplementary skilled trades. Yeah. Um, so and did just you redo all the plumbing, all everything. the insulation. Yeah. So you it's cracked full up gut. The, yeah. 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 Drain lines, everything. everything. Yeah. So there's no original plumbing. Nothing. That's, that's pretty critical just to avoid yeah. issues down the well, road. We knew we were going to put a basement mm-hmm. suite down there too. So we mm-hmm. wanted to really make sure we were never having to pull anything back up. Right. Yeah. And a lot of Toronto too, there's huge old, oaks and maples on the front lawns of like established older streets so like those guys love to get into your train line so you redid your sanitary connection to the road too yes yeah yeah all the way out oh yeah yeah that's that's something i constantly deal with yeah the, the yeah. roots coming in still trying to figure out a cost-effective solution to that like you can line them but the thing is like for one the one house i have it's just the joints it's a it's an asbestos cement pipe right and the pipe is solid it's great except for where the joints are because it's a pre uh, precast piece right, that right. they assemble on site. Yeah, yeah, so the yeah. roots just come in these joints. So it's really like the total space I'd need lined is like maybe a foot, two mm. feet. So what are you, you're just augering it out every year? Yeah. Yeah. It's really annoying because if I, if I miss that. it, if I miss it, then it could grow in and then I get a backup and then that costs a lot of money. So it's oh, kind of yeah. like gambling a little bit and yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah. Because every year in my one house, every single year, Pretty much since I've owned it, I've had a backup of water in there. Oh, fun. Actually, just since I renovated it. Before that, never. No, it literally just happened again. It's like every September. It's like, hey, when, what's going to happen this year? So 
Two times it was furnace related. One time it was roots. Right now I've got yeah. uh, the circulation pump down at the Edwardian, and the uh, what is it? Oh, the control panel is out on the furnace at the uh, Victorian. Circulation pump. Oh, for your water. It's a rad system, which oh, I okay, okay. will never leave in a house ever again. You know, like a hot water boiler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those Not are really square footage. Though. Yeah, but it's like with the modern um, rad units, like the actual heaters, mm-hmm. they're not as efficient. They don't hold the heat like the old cast used to. They don't throw the heat oh, like the old system. That's why you got to get the cast ones, yeah. man. You but the connections those. start to get really janky on them. On the old ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Janky. Who used that word? <laughs> uh, that was uh, Steph Curry. <laughs> oh, is it? Janky, nice. janky Dave Goods. <laughs> Whatever that Good means. Good crowd. <laughs> yeah um okay so i know like for instance carmen she's she's just on the show um she talks about um you know doing all she likes to keep her historic charm so she just did a building in hamilton i think that kept all of that and they reused the system it's nice when you can reuse those radiators we tried to and like i said the uh yeah where the kind of nipple connection comes off of the big rad the new piping that 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 part there that connects to the rad yeah. That gets a little, Gummed when up. you go to twist onto it, it can like pop right off and go inside. Oh, and then okay. it just, you have like almost like a hole in the side of your rad. So you got to be careful, usable. right? But you can go and buy uh, old refurbished rads and things like that too. I would love to do that. Yeah. Cause it just, it looks so cool. Yeah. 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 And especially if you want to keep the old historic charm of a building, that's kind of like something you almost need to do. Yeah. yeah. I'll never do it again. Never do. <laughs> I know we don't want to deal with it. But like, if if you go cookie cutter, yes, it's more efficient, cheaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you don't yeah. get those people who just like fall in love with it it's necessarily. True. That's true. Um, so, what's the plan now? Are you mainly focused on on uh, student rentals then? Yeah, I've been. Uh, so this year, I so last so in twenty eighteen, I hired a coach uh, for my real estate business, Quentin D'Souza. I was going to say Quentin. He's yeah. out your way. Yeah, Quentin's such a good guy, so knowledgeable, yeah. and um, you just really had a nice connection with him. Still do. I, I consider him a friend. And um, yeah, I focused those two years on building up the four properties that I have. And uh, and then this year I decided I was going to focus on my real estate, like a realtor business. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing this year, other than this private sale. And I'm looking to add a the new student rental I have under contract. Okay. Yeah, um, so but, you, but, is that the fifth? The new student would be the fifth property? Yeah, that's okay. right. Um, and then, yeah, next year, I think I'm going to go back. I'm going to kind of alternate between the businesses with my, like, really big focus being on one or the other. My yeah. wife's just joined the, the company. Uh, as a real uh, realtor? Uh, no, she's unlicensed. She's going to get her license. Um, but we're going to start doing a lot more uh, private sales and finding the deals ourselves. And Okay, so that you can keep building up your rental portfolio. Yeah, it's a lot easier yeah. for her to do the private side of things since I'm licensed and me to focus on the on-market stuff. Right. And, uh, do you still need a disclosure because uh, you're married? <laughs> technically. Yeah. A little bit of yeah, an inside. Yeah. Uh, yeah, technically. Yeah. I like that you can still find a buyer, though, that just wants to sell privately. Yeah. Then you just be straightforward with them. And Absolutely. Y- I mean, you still are bringing convenience to the table. Absolutely. And there are no guarantees on the market. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could say, well, right now it looks like it's worth this, but it doesn't mean it's still worth that in, in a month. Oh, yeah. Anything could change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, I bet I wasn't the only one, but when, you know, the shutdowns and COVID started, I don't think anyone knew what was going to happen People there. People were panicking. That happened overnight. Yeah. You know? It's the weirdest thing that doesn't make any sense, but makes total sense when you actually look into what happened. <laughs> the fact that our economy just didn't crash. Well, GDP fell, but the stock market didn't. Yeah. And if people had seen the stock market fall, that would have changed spending habits, I think. Oh, yeah. But because well, it's a psychology meter. 
Yeah, exactly. Like once you feel like you actually lost something, then you change your behavior. But people don't feel like they lost anything. Some people lost their businesses. They they definitely did. Absolutely. Um, but uh, and I I think that's totally to do with uh, the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm a lot of what Canadians invest in are American companies. And mm-hmm. then, of course, they drive our, our companies as well because it's opportunity cost, right? If American stocks don't go down, um, then people will continue buying Canadian stocks if they're cheaper and you know, vice versa. So one drives the other, bond market. So a lot of Federal Reserve spending, <laughs> not to go down that, lot, that rabbit hole. I, I we'll find this stuff interesting. Yeah. I, I find this stuff interesting, but, totally, but uh, totally. heck of a rabbit hole. But we're still in good position. And like we said, no one knew what was going to happen. Most people probably would have predicted stock market crash. Oh, big time. But because of central bank spending, we're not. We're doing okay. Let me ask you something. What do you think about Sidal uh, or Sidal, Sidal, the CMHC head? Oh, okay. Doom and glooming constantly that the housing market's going to crash. I don't know why he's doing that. Like, what's the point? I don't understand it either. Yeah, I also don't understand panic. what signaling he's getting that no one else, all of the other professionals I've ever met, <laughs> but I don't it, understand. But then every other day, there's an article from him coming out in the newspaper saying it's just going to go down. Well, yeah. that is sort of like what we are conditioned to be okay with these days, though. Now, like, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Public officials just come out and start saying things <laughs> that science or evidence doesn't seem to be presented for, <laughs> but we are just to go along with it. Um, right. Right. Another rabbit hole. Yeah, um, strange world. Uh, you had mentioned there quickly about um, uh, small businesses. Yeah. And uh, because I used to work in hotels and before that restaurants, I have so many friends in my network, network that worked in hospitality. And that's like we're talking about condo market softening. That commercial mm-hmm. ground floor <laughs> retail hospitality, I can only imagine what this winter's going to bring onto the market. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be just punishing. Now that they're not allowed to, you know, after the 15th have patios or now they're 11 p.m. closures and right. all the things. But what, how, how many places are going to come on the market? How, how far is that uh, rent going to get pushed down through that kind of supply? Well, and I know people are selling businesses right now. I spoke with a guy who sells businesses and he was saying that, uh, you know, you can get good deals on places that used to be profitable before the sh- mm-hmm, shutdown. Mm-hmm. If you want something that's still profitable now, you're going to pay a good, good buck for it because Absolutely. it seems to be resistant to this uh, government. Um, but uh, yeah, if, you, if you're buying, you know, it's, it's a fire sale on a lot of businesses yeah. right now because yeah. they're, not, they're not allowed to function, right? Yeah. Like, the government has said to you, you can't run your business. Um, and, and you know what? For some, they're okay. I've spoken with some that, that say... Um, the the wage subsidy, the seventy five percent wage subsidy, uh, really helps them. Uh, and others who said we didn't really have any employees, so we're just being hurt by mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've heard statistics of even up to sixty percent of businesses uh, shutting down. I've heard people say a lot of things, mm-hmm. but I could I could definitely see that being logical. Yeah. That sixty percent of small businesses don't come back. Yeah, well, I think Yelp, at least in hospitality, again, it's a sector I'm very familiar yeah. with. But I think Yelp released something recently that was saying 40% of their clients have said they're n- never reopening again. Never Do you think reopening. Of like, if you ever read a Yelp review, it's every restaurant in your city, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and if 40% of those aren't coming back, that's pretty substantial. And the challenge will be uh, our government will keep very inefficiently propping them up with wage subsidies and mm-hmm. uh, you know, loans. But that's that's a you're basically writing a check against the future. You know, now now all of a sudden, like these, you know, small businesses that used to break even and they were good, it fed their family. Then they're going to tack on a forty five thousand dollar line of credit loan uh, and or, you know, whatever the government Mm -hmm, loan mm -hmm. is. I didn't take it, although I. I just, I would have, I yeah, just personally didn't want to engage 50 in 50 with 40 repayable, something like four, that? No, so 40 and 30 repayable, 
potentially. Right, uh, I didn't right. really dig into it too yeah, deep. They were basically giving it to anybody. Um, I don't know. The whole thing just frustrated me. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to touch it. <laughs> I'd be interested. I think you said Cherry's coming in at some point soon. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really interested to get her take. She's my accountant. Um, I'm yeah. interested to get her take on she, how this is all going to play out next spring. Cherry's the next episode. Yeah. So yeah. I'm taking questions on that today. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be posting them up. Okay. So I'm going to ask her about the loan. She knows all about the, the loan, subsidies. Serve, all of that stuff. Yeah. Tell us about what we need to know yeah. as business owners. So we'll become a lot more educated in that episode. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, definitely. Uh, yeah, interesting thought there. Okay, so you've got you've got joint ventures and stuff going on, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. How many out of your portfolio? Uh, three of my four currently, and the one I'm buying is also a joint venture. Same partners or different partners? Uh, different. I've got like two on. I've got one couple on two. I've got my mother-in-law on the new yeah. one. Got a new one on the next one. I got. I've got a one of the student rentals is with uh, another investor. Okay. He had the deal. I had cash uh, at that time. I think we and both he know qualified. this guy. <laughs> oh, do you know? Yeah, it's Jared. Jared, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just worked out. You know, he, he needed cash at the time. I needed a qualifier. And yeah. He had the deal. Yeah. So well, Jared's been on, nice, the, on uh, the show as well. Oh, has he? Yeah. 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 Nice. yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. Good guy. Aggressive, right? You know, yeah. He, he, yeah, yeah. He's hungry for deals. So yeah, he's trying yeah. to grow very quickly. Yeah, very much. Yeah. I have a slightly different model than him for my business, but uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty ambitious, man. Yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah. You know, lives in Montreal and invests in Peterborough. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't exactly be on site, but he's the working partner and you're, yeah. you're the hands on off that one. guy, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's on a, all the other ones, I'm the operating partner, but um, yeah, yeah, that one, it's, it's his. That's we're a, actually we're trying to put together a new little play on that property right now with a with a third investor. <laughs> a third investor because that property has a a lot attached to it, and oh, that yeah. we're trying to develop potentially. So very cool. But yes, yeah, so we're we're trying to figure out a, that that's a cash flowing student rental that place, but it's got a yeah, it's built on the call it the extreme east side of a sixty foot lot. Um, so we've got thirty feet on the other side that we're. You're working on severing? We're working on it. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I was just talking to Charles about this and, and uh, he, was, he was saying how um, he would really recommend to people, look at your own portfolio, mm-hmm. see what you've got in it, see if you've got a parcel where you've got some extra land, even if you need to go for a minor variance. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got cash flow, you got all the time in the world exactly. to wait, right? Like, exactly. I mean, you don't want to wait forever, but it doesn't hurt too. No, absolutely. Well, and that land value of that lot's going up along with everything it's not else. not hurting so. you, right? You know, that's, that's the biggest thing, like the, the win-win where you have a great contingency as a developer. There's not really a better situation than yeah. that, where you've, you've got a piece of land. Somehow this, the house on it is tucked to one side. <laughs> I mean, it kind of spoils it a bit when you've got to knock down the existing house to get two right. lots, right? Right. But sometimes might still be worth yeah, it, Yeah, exactly, right? depending on the market. So what's it look like? Let's look, let's go through some of the numbers uh, on one of your, do you have two in Peterborough? I have two currently and one under contract there. Yeah. All right. So let's go through one of those. What, what would the rents be on one of them? I think Jared talked about one he has with like 12 beds or something. Yeah, no, that's not the one that's I'm on with. Okay. I have one. So the one that I know the best, let's call the numbers. Um, it's called Howden. It's on a road called Howden. Howden. Okay. But uh, yeah, so it's a six bed. Um, okay. They average around six fifteen, six twenty a room. Uh, one of them's like five seventy five, but one of them six fifty. Yeah, okay, so we'll say so six fifteen. Uh, averages out. Um, yeah, so six beds at six fifteen ish. Okay, I'm gonna just uh, so that that works out to be about thirty nine, thirty six ninety. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, so. What would, uh, on a place like that, what would your taxes be? Taxes on that place are probably around three. I don't know, I have it off the top of my head, maybe 31. 
Ah, ballpark's good. Yeah, yeah. Insurance, say seventeen hundred or something like that. I, that, I have a, a pretty good insurance broker for those student rentals, yeah. and I think I pay one ten a month. Oh, okay, well, that's really good. Yeah, I'm getting quite a different story from my insurance broker right oh, now. Oh, really? <laughs> Maintenance wise, does five percent cover it? Like yeah, twenty two hundred a year. I got seven percent on the management. Okay, so you're paying seven percent on the management. Let's just. I managed it that. myself for the first year, um, just to kind of get to know. That was my first student rental. I wanted to get to know that business, and I also wanted to just kind of see what a student looked like since I was a student. Yeah. And uh, I quickly realized I needed a property manager. I had a couple of students that uh, thought I was their parent. That's not good. Calling and, like, telling on each other for oh my leaving crumbs in the toaster and such. That, yeah, a lot of that stuff, I find, is just, like, I really, like, leaned on my buddy who had a lot more student rentals than mm-hmm, I did. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what are all your systems? Tell me like, yeah, what, yeah. E- what email do you send? How do you position this? And I think a lot of that is upfront positioning yeah, and then yeah. kind of working backwards from there. Um, but uh, having a management is definitely an easier way. Absolutely. Just don't involve yourself. Absolutely. And, and yeah. my, I love my property manager. It's yeah. Michelle Wynn. She's also an investor okay. out there. Um, uh, her business is called diligent property management, but okay. um, she's just really good at what she does. She can do it much better than I could and faster. So why wouldn't I, spend my time drumming up leads and sales and find right. the next deal. Yeah. And for me, like when I was really aggressive in the, um, the burrs for student rentals, um, I did not have time to even think about student rentals or I didn't, uh, or management. Yeah. I, I, at least I, I felt that way at the time it felt like too much. So I just, okay, here, property manager. Yeah, exactly. And it was a great fit for a while. Well, and I think we'll probably get to it there, but student rentals cash flow so well, Typically the strategy well. that you can afford to, well, one can likely afford to, to pay on what you bit. want yeah. or what your situation is yeah, to pay you can a little pay bit. bit. And, uh, and again, the tenants yeah. are going to get a probably a higher quality manager than someone sure. who's spread thin. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what would utilities be there? Uh, I think I have them at 325. 325. As a like, yearly average. Yearly average. Okay. So that works about 3,900 for the year. Uh, do you pay for lawn cutting? I do, but we have mostly like landscaped um, on that property. So it ends up only being like 25 bucks a month. We pay 25 bucks a cut. We get it cut once a month. 25 bucks a cut. Wow. Yeah. So just for the seven months and then fall cleanup and all that too? Yeah, exactly. So do you, you're yeah. I think 400 I, bucks for the year. So yeah, exactly. Somewhere in that. It's pretty yeah. nominal, but. All right. And then I'll just uh, like, like to leave that 500 in there for miscellaneous, whatever might yeah, come up. Yeah. Um, I guess, would your re-renting be on top of that 7% or that covers no, your renting? No, that's included. That's oh, a good deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a yeah, good yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. Very good deal. What do you figure that's worth? Oh no, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not that's not right. It's seven percent a month plus a month plus, every time. Oh, uh, single yeah, uh, once so, a year. Once a year. So once a year you're gonna re rent? And if they re up, then it's thirty percent. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll, so under miscellaneous, I'll just add that in there. Yeah, so, so I usually add a line there called advertising that I throw it in there. Yeah, yeah. So so we'll say we'll just say the re renting fee of one month. So we'll call it thirty seven hundred. Uh, for that okay yeah. so but we do have uh, at least in the the three years i've been doing it um the, the tenants stay on at least two of the years so i've only mm-hmm. been turning over maybe three rooms a year let's say right so that's why i'll usually do i figured in my portfolio that it was re-rent every two years yeah even though they could stay three yeah i was just like average it's gonna be two yeah so yeah i do the same thing so that works out to be about 1850 yeah, there exactly. for that exactly. uh what do you figure that property's worth uh, we bought it for 370. We only put in about 15. We changed kind of the utility room okay. setup around a little bit and put a new furnace in. Um, 
Okay, so I'll call it 385. And yeah. You get roughly and it's 80%. probably worth about, yeah, we got 80% at uh, 30 years. At 3.25 or something. 3.25. So I'll got, so what you're in, what your cash flow would be, I'll, I'll tell you that in a second. So on that, that's really good. So your mortgage payment would be around uh, 1,330 or so. Yeah. Uh, and you'd have cash flow of 1,037, adjusting for re rental every two years, exactly. adjusting for all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's been consistently over $1,000 a month. So that's great. Yeah. It's a great feeling having a property that gives you more than $1,000 a month. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and pays down. Yeah. I got one right now that's, I think it pays me like 1200 a month and it pays down 1600 a month because I'm on a variable rate and they just dropped all exactly. the rates, right? So yeah. it's it's nice because then it, fee- it frees up my HELOC on that property. Exactly. So I have more HELOC becoming available. Yeah, it so, builds quicker. Yeah. Some, some things in real estate investing just put a smile on your face. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love uh, working the spreadsheet on a new deal when it works. Yeah. It, there's no better feeling. Than well, that, yeah, than hitting that last button and seeing the cash flow line pop up. Yeah, exactly. Like I like having the true. I like to keep an up to date like statement of all my properties, yeah. where they are, what my net worth is in those properties, totally. what my available equity is in those properties. So I'll have a sheet that'll basically tell me all those things. Like, yeah. what do I think? I just have to enter what I think the value is now, and it'll tell me what I should be able to borrow against it. Now, yeah, of course, yeah. new rentals are tricky because yeah. it's hard to finance them. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. and uh, joint ventures are tricky too. Joint when ventures, to they mean. mess things up, yeah, because yeah. you got to disclose the secondary interest once, you know, especially on a refi, yeah. and then uh, they don't like that so much. So yeah, <laughs> how yeah. do you handle that? Well, so, and also with your net worth, like I like to keep my net worth up to date as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. Actually, on that note, uh, definitely something I would recommend, and I don't really ever recommend anything, but uh, <laughs> one thing I'll make an exception is have your personal finances totally up to date in a folder ready for loan yeah. applications like it's, have have a net worth statement for yourself and keep it up to date uh you it's good for you and it's good for the bank you can send it to them it's one of the first things quentin yeah. recommended in yeah. his coaching to his coaching students i'm sure he does to anyone that talks yeah. to him but uh yeah he calls it a financing binder but it's the same yeah. thing it's a it's a net worth statement with right you know the breakdown of all the major categories into line items almost and like when i go apply for a mortgage i don't fill out their bank network form I say, please see my spreadsheet right. and the multiple tabs. Do they I have accept multiple... that? They always just yes. make me resign. It. No, I don't. I'm not <laughs> filling it out. I just, I literally just say, see attached. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, yeah. they're okay with it. So, I, and I've never had to fill it out. So, yeah. I don't know. I, and it's weird because you're technically supposed to sign to it, but I'm like, no, this is. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Who knows? I guess some are going to be stickier than others yeah. with that. But, but just coming back quickly to what you had uh, asked there about uh, the joint ventures, refinancing, all that stuff. Um, I only just qualified for a mortgage for the first time since 2016, like three weeks ago. Because okay. from that time, I gave up my salary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. then the two years of having to start my own business. But part of that income was rental income. And one of those yeah. properties was a joint venture. And it was just. A murky. That's why I decided to actually focus on my real estate, my realtor business, yeah. so was ha- to have more a show, a, you know, showable active income. So what what does it look like for you then? Because mo- you don't have your name on any real estate except for I have it on one of the four, and I'll have it on the new one. So one of the four, the one in Toronto, yeah, the first one. Yeah, yeah. the first one in Toronto is in, in your name. So according to what they see they just see that you own one which from a qualification standpoint is probably making it easier then they see your t1 general and they <laughs> see well this says you had interest in other properties yeah and at that point what do they do they say we want to include it or you say well i didn't d- guarantee the loan so th- that has yeah, nothing exactly to do with me. but uh, even until like i said three weeks ago or whatever this year uh, have been the has been the year that i focused on yeah real estate sales yeah. so it's the first time i've even had 
good income to qualify. Sorry, did they consider those rental incomes on those other properties? No, only, so they the, just, only they the one I'm on title for. So yeah. they didn't even consider them. That's right. So that's kind of a good thing. Some of the, I've heard of banks actually saying, okay, we want to see all the income and expenses on that because you know technically your JV agreement would say you're responsible for the yeah, loan yeah. and they would want to include it. So I guess it depends on who you get that day. You yeah, know, which, most likely. Yeah. It's the same thing when you go to the city. It depends on who you talk to. It depends on who you talk to at the bank. It really does. Absolutely. Some, some understand it, some don't. Some are okay with it, some aren't. Well, you hear about it so yeah. often in the context of like, uh, oh, you can only have five properties or, or whatever. Yeah. And it really depends on who at what uh, well, institution you're talking to. In, but it happens across the board with everything in the bank. It really depends case, on who you're talking to. In your case, I would I would be more inclined to do them through your company. I would make mm-hmm. your, your, your I think Ontario assets. Yeah, I plan. would make that the JV holder, so yeah. that all the money goes straight. Because otherwise, you're muddying up your personal tax return. It gets yeah. it gets sticky. I was uh, on the phone with uh, Cherry and her Cherry business was, partner Verna two days ago. <laughs> we'll be talking about that <laughs> exactly, soon. exactly. Uh, yeah, and of course, that, that's not accounting advice for anybody. <laughs> exactly. Cherry or one of the accountants would be happy to help you if you want advice. That's just uh, what I would do, but. Uh, um, anyways, yeah, just to keep things clean, and then and then from a qualification standpoint, you don't. I wouldn't really feel worried that they'd ever try and pull that into the mm-hmm, application. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a corporation separate from me. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah, own the yeah. shares. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's nice, and you know, I was even talking to Carmen about this, uh, my mother-in-law, uh, just about how she segments her portfolio, and mm. she she has different companies for each property, and how that allows her to keep buying. I found that super super interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd, I'd be interested to hear more about that. Yeah, I'll have to have her on another time just to talk nothing about that. But yeah, she did yeah, dig yeah. into it. So yeah, check out that episode. Yeah, well, for sure. that's cool. That's cool. Um, so what I wanted to ask you about is just kind of managing that JV relationship mm-hmm. because there's obviously a lot going on there. You have multiple properties, uh, partners on multiple properties with multiple structures. How do you not get stressed by that? And how right. do you maintain it? Because I, I like to come up with models that are consistent and yeah. that's not that consistent. Yeah. I know you have a new model for growing from here on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it comes down to some real fundamentals, not only of real estate, but probably just good business. But, um, you know, it goes back to only partnering with people you know, like, and trust. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty standard adage in most things, but it's very true in these kind of relationships because they get quite personal. There's a lot of money involved and you're, you're having to make decisions about a shared asset that people live in that involves health and safety finances um you know long-term wealth people's relationships with their own family money can be tense so uh yeah it's really about making sure that you vet the people really well like i said i've got some with family some with very good friends and some with business associates each of those relationships is obviously quite distinct from the others yeah but they each share that quality of no like and trust okay so and and they probably have that back for you they yeah, know, like, and trust so, you. Yeah. So you know, like, and trust them. They like they they do the same for you. And does that mean that you have a little flex, uh, a lot of flex, or little flex, um, very little, uh, when it comes to if the property is not performing like they want? Mm. Does that ever come up? Uh, because I know once you once you open that situation up, now they call you and say, oh. I, Andrew, how's this doing? Or Randall, how's this doing? Is it rented yet? Or mm-hmm. are we cash flowing now? <laughs> no, you need to put more money in. Do you have those kind of conversations? Does it? Um, there's one of the properties with one of the partners that it does okay. Um, it's got a lot of upside still in it, mm-hmm. um, but we do have those conversations. It's not it's not a you know uh, 
it's not the focal point of our discussions, but it does come up like, okay, well, what if this happens? How do we reposition that? Or what if uh, X, Y, or Z happens? What, what will we decide upon? But it's, it's, again, it's, you know, when there's that uh, mutual respect there and um, respect for what each other brings to the deal and their understanding of the market, mm-hmm. um, then you can have that conversation and it can be uh, yeah. adult and rational, you know, yeah. something lacking in the world. Do you ever um, have to like tell them, um, we need more money into this deal. I have never had to do any cash yeah. calls in any of the deals. Um, and, and when there is little repairs, I always, I think you're like this as well. And everybody probably should be. It's a good practice. I build a pretty big buffer yeah. into everything right at the get go. I almost build it mm-hmm. either into the renovation budget as like a staying power fund or a yeah, contingency fund. Yeah. Or it comes in shortly thereafter through um, holding back cash flow for the first X amount of months yeah. until it builds up to X amount of dollars. But I like if to you got thousand dollar cash flow, yeah, exactly. Property. You know, and yeah. and if it's two or three months worth of reserves, which is a reasonable yeah. amount, then that doesn't take too long. If you've got a good deal, a good property, and good management, if you're if you're managing yeah. your vacancies, I mean, yeah, yeah, it really shouldn't uh, shouldn't take too long. I. I mean, I find cash flow to be more of a unicorn uh, mm-hmm. these days, at yeah. least for on the market. So you do have to look, but yeah. um, I'm big on don't change your criteria. If your cash, if your criteria is cash flow, stick with that. Absolutely. Uh, Even within that, though, like yeah. we we do focus on the properties that we're buying, yeah. the, the potential to duplex them in the yeah. future, and so again, you can create cash flow. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about that with short term rentals, having yeah. different exit strategies or different right. strategies you can employ, and that's uh, that's one of them we we do. We make sure anything we buy can have a basement apartment. That's smart. Yeah. Just one more way to, 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 you know, secure yourself yeah. and, and give yourself one more way to win. Absolutely. I like to have a lot of ways to win. We and, even and build that into our renovations. For, if yeah. you're going to like quote unquote finish rooms for the student rental in the basement, yeah. we're not going to take them up to 10 out of 10 because we know in, in five years, let's say we may be pairing all that out to make a, a basement suite. Okay. Then maybe we only do right. seven and a half out of 10 on the finishes. So you plan accordingly. Yeah. So, so you're not wasting money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So as far as, yeah, I was just going to mention one thing there. Like as far as cash flow, do you even consider that cash flow that you would touch given there's the relationship with the JV partner? Sorry, can you rephrase that? Well, you have cash flow coming into these accounts, right? And the, account, the accounts are building. Do you have a predetermined agreement with your joint venture partner that once you get past yes. X, X level of balance in the bank account, you will now distribute it at 50-50 yes. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's in my JV. Yeah, so um, what's your threshold before you'll start it's, distributing? It's usually three months or five grand. Okay, then you'll distribute. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and, and that's enough? It's, it's 50-50. Yeah. Well, that's enough because we also, on every property too, we have three advanceable. Oh, okay. So, so then you're laughing. A, as that reserve is a reserve, we're also building the, the building's reserve, let's call it, into okay. that advanceable. If you're re-advanceable, then you're laughing. Exactly. Yeah, I don't have that on all my properties. I actually only have that on one of them. Yeah. I wish I had them on This on new all one, I probably yeah. won't um, have one. We'll see. Hopefully, I can get it, get it in there. But You pretty well need to be with one of the bigger banks exactly. or the bigger credit unions. Yeah. They'll, they'll allow yeah. it. So I know yeah, even B2B, even though they don't have uh, bank branches in Ontario, they'll still do it. But then it's your other big ones, BMO, RBC. Yeah. So that one, we may yeah. have to build a bigger buffer. Yeah. Maybe it becomes 10 instead of five, but we'll see. We'll see. And it also depends on the amount of renovations. Who does your financing for student rentals? <laughs> I've got some with a few of the big banks. We've yeah. got one with RBC, one with Scotia. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got other ones with RBC. Did you have to slide it through as a regular house yeah. that happens to have students in it? <laughs> yeah, Peterborough has a different type yeah. of uh, licensing for their yeah. buildings, so we can have separate leases and things like that. And um, okay, so that uh, 
The bank doesn't like separate leases, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Won't ask any more questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Like, I particularly uh, aim to have single leases yeah. because I know yeah. the banks want to want to see that. Yeah. They want to see one amount uh, at the top of that lease, which is what I do, uh, just to keep it easy and clean. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Randall, if people wanted to reach out to you, learn more about you, uh, maybe connect with you on some Toronto real estate, where should we send them? Uh, you can check out my website or my Instagram. It's uh, ontarioassets.com is the website. And then at Ontario Assets. Ontario Assets. Yeah. Okay. Or I'm always at Durham REI. I, I try to go, well, these days, there's yeah. not too many in-person meetings, but I'm on the, uh, the Zoom calls and things like that and the advanced uh, investor call. Uh, so you can always okay. grab me on there. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I didn't, hadn't heard that that was still going on. I, I've yeah, been... Quentin does like a Zoom every two weeks, once for beginners, once for... Uh, advance i think it's four properties or more yeah and uh yeah tons of good sharing and some real big uh big knowledge in there so it's That's a good, awesome. good network yeah quentin's a hub of a lot of information yeah you yeah. good people do that no like yeah. and trust yeah yeah exactly yeah, he's a good guy he was on the podcast i don't remember the episode number but uh, if people want to check that out just uh search through you'll find him um i usually have the episode i think he's in the 60s but um, anyways, I, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, uh, before you. you go, is there any word of wisdom to people getting started or people trying to take it to the next step, uh, the next level that you want to leave us mm. with? Uh, I think like most people just take action. I also wouldn't mind throwing it out there just to the community I used to work in, the hospitality, since it's been pretty much decimated with all the restrictions, mm -hmm. um, that real estate's a great way to move into a new career very little overhead you can do it quickly and uh and there's lots of opportunity for people from that industry that know how to hustle as a realtor so, yeah, yeah yeah at least as one avenue but yeah. you could do it wholesaling you could do it in lots of ways with a little bit of money are you building a team i could be it could yeah be. I, i'd be happy to help anyone that's looking to transition especially this winter it's going to get hard and i want okay. people to yeah. be able to pay their bills and feed their families yeah yeah i feel i really feel for them i feel yeah. so bad for for our small businesses yeah. it's not right big so. time Hopefully things will turn around um, and we will get back to life as it should be. Absolutely. And uh, anyways, again, thank you so much for, for doing this. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to connecting more in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Just a friendly reminder that the kindest thing that you can do if you're enjoying this content is to share it with somebody that you think it could help. I don't have a big marketing budget for this podcast. Everything is word of mouth. So you're sharing this content means everything. Thank you again. I'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.